the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers, and to cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show. That's right, woodchuck chuckers. It's Groundhog Day! Get up and sit that hog out there! Yeah! Come here, uh, welcome to the Dan Prof Show on this Groundhog Day. Unfortunately, particularly after uh, two feet of snow was dumped on the East Coast and a foot of snow in the Midwest, Puck's Tony Phil saw a shadow, so six weeks more of winter. Or he didn't see a shadow, so six weeks, I can never remember. Regardless, uh, Groundhog Day, when it comes to the topics that we tackle on this show, certainly is with respect to K-12 through education in urban centers. And we see playing out again in L.A. and New York and Chicago, perhaps most notably in Chicago, the uh, recalcitrant teachers' union uh, that is engaged in a de facto walkout right now. They do not want to go back to school, even though they've been ordered to go back to school. And so here we are again, just 15 months after the last Chicago teacher strike. And uh, I mentioned yesterday it's uh, Black Lives Matter instructional week in so many government school systems. And frankly, and unfortunately, some private schools as well. It's also National Catholic Schools Week. And Bill McGurn over at the Wall Street Journal had a good piece about Catholic schools and Catholic schools beating COVID, reminding us of some of the luminaries of the left, what they had to say about Catholic education once upon a time. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor, quote, Catholic schools have been a pipeline to opportunity for people like her, poor Latina, raised by a single mom. Joe Biden in 1997, um, extolling the virtue of his Catholic education, saying on the Senate floor that the plight of children, quote, presently caught in a failed public school, unquote, was leading him to rethink his opposition to vouchers. Well, uh, somebody did the thinking for him, and he's never gotten closer than that. He's certainly not going to get closer as a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chicago Teachers Union and teachers unions around the country, as you have so heard from his administration, middling the issue between the teachers union and the administration to the extent that they're really anything other than two sides of the same coin. But in New York, Catholic schools have been operating safely since the fall, while teachers unions continue to fight returning. Obviously, that's the case in Chicago. In L.A., which is home to the largest Catholic school system in the country, 70,000 students, 78 percent of them are minority children. And uh, it's a little bit different in L.A., a little bit worse even than New York and Chicago, if you can imagine, because uh, Gavin Newsom's shutdown orders also apply to religious schools. Uh, So uh, the opportunity that is present and the opportunities that are not and uh, what uh, we see happening in our big cities, what that tells us about K through 12 education in a moment where everybody's paying attention. So speaking of opportunities, the opportunity perhaps to rethink not only where thousands of families are sending their children to be educated, but also how we do K through 12 education in America. For more on this, we're pleased to be joined again by Bob Mazakowski, who's got a pretty good model here in Chicago of how you do 
K through 12 education, president and founder of Chicago Hope Academy. Bob, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. What's your perspective on uh, what you're seeing play out in real time? The sort of the, you know, a lot of politicians like to talk about the two Americas. Well, there are two Americas right now when it comes to K through 12 education. The kids fortunate enough to be able to go to private school and the kids, at least in Chicago, New York and L.A., that are relegated to their neighborhood government school. Yeah, so we've been open since August 14th. We're a high school, Chicago Hope Academy, uh, independent, non-denominational Christian high school. We had about 40 kids transfer in from public schools when they found out they weren't going to open. So in that period, we've had seven students test positive. One was affected, was a night in the hospital. All the others were back as soon as they were allowed to. We've had nine staff get it. One of them was my daughter. Instead of running five miles a day, she ran seven miles a day. <laughs> in general, we had one, one staff member affected, though, where she was out for a couple of weeks and was really hurting. But that's uh, we're 287. I actually visited Marist High School, which has 1,200 students on the south side, and had uh, dinner with the principal there, reviewed their new signs up, and they've been open the whole time. They do half in the morning, half in the afternoon. So I think... My opinion with CPS is you got every principal has at least a master's or a PhD. They should have let every principal run their show. They know their students the best. They know their families the best. Why would you not let your principals run their own show for each school? Because that's not who's in charge of the system. The, the union <laughs> this is. is so bad now, right? Because, I mean, isn't that right? How else do you describe what's happening? I mean, oh the conversations, the conversations between you know parents of your kids and parents of their friends who go to public schools must be fascinating. Yeah, we're 90% low-income kids. People assume the word, we're independent. The word private reeks of, you know, they think of the Latin school, which, and God bless the Latin school, right? But we're an independent school. We run businesses that fund it. And the last three years, we've gotten substantial funds from this new tax credit law, which this is year four, and it's a four-year, it has to be renewed. And so if you're a student with low-income family making under $38,000, you get $13,000 a year. Of course, we have to go find the people who want to do the tax credit, but it's a, a step towards choice. And I hope that stays there because it's very obvious that our kids are thriving. Last year, we had two Yales, Columbia Brown. We have a kid at Princeton, Notre Dame, University of Chicago, and a bunch of the military, which we're super proud of. But we know where everybody's going when they walk across the stage. And, and again, just to repeat, west side of the city, 90% low income, uh, mostly yeah. minority kids, right? Yeah, mostly black. My own kids were the first white kids in the school, and one of them's a principal now. I went to Harvard. I mean, do you have you must have conversations with public school principals, or be part of conversations with public school parents in Chicago? I mean, how, you know, how do you explain Chicago Hope Academy as and, and that what, what, why that can't be replicated and scaled? Yeah, they have friends, but I mean, it's almost like one of those science fiction movies where everybody's starting to march and they don't want to talk about it. Like, or even friends of mine, like they just can't. It's not they don't say it in a malicious way, and we're still friends. And I got to tell you, there's great people in the public schools. They're not all bad. No, I understand. Yeah, we have there's dedicated people who want to be in it, but doing the best they can. But we know here. So I was walking past the classroom on Friday, and a kid. You know, I did it in high school a few times. You know, when your head's going down and you're nodding off, and I just snapped it back. <laughs> That's when we're live. Do you think? The kids on the west side and the south side are really paying attention on Zoom when it's loud in the background and your your mom's getting high. I mean, really, it's ridiculous to think that. And to think that all these juniors and seniors and the low-income south side minority kids and west side, do you think they've been told they don't have to go to school? Do you think they're going to come back for their senior year at 19? I mean, you just created 30,000 gangbangers because you're too lazy to open and figure it out. And, oh, by the way, I mean, the uh, data for January in Chicago after an increase in, in murders by more than 50% last year, we're on track to eclipse that based on January over January, more than 50 yeah, murders uh, and, and carjackings are up 200%. I mean, and, and again, as we know, who the, the super majority of victims of the violent crimes in Chicago are African-Americans and mostly young black men. 
Yeah, I got to tell you, it was mentioned a few to what the police opinion on it, but any level-headed person, black or white or Latino, know that murders are way up because the mayor's handcuffed the police department. When a guy opens up a fire, which happened last summer, and kills a five-year-old in a barbecue, if one of the undercover cops are like the Navy SEALs of the cops, right? Those guys, if they run run a man down and put him in a headlock after he shot a five-year-old, they're going to snap a bunch of pictures of him with the guy in the headlock on the ground. And I got to tell you, I have foster black sons, and I know this topic very well, that the cops are not the problem. We're killing each other. My son was almost carjacked. And I live on Oakley, a neighborhood that's changed on the west side. It's getting a little better, but it's mixed, really Latino, black, and white, because we're in the hospital district. We had a neighbor carjacked on Saturday, a woman carjacked on Saturday, because you get like a misdemeanor for it. And Kim Fox said the other day that she doesn't really want to prosecute the poor kids. For this. Well, so, so I, I suppose then the um, Black Lives Matter in Schools Week, um, that's a little bit different perspective on the police than uh, I think uh, most of the kids, particularly in the suburbs yeah. and exurbs, are, are hearing, but but also the city uh, to the extent yeah, I mean, they're paying attention on Zoom. We're down here every day. It's like Mike Bloomberg, who did a tremendous job as the Juliana in New York. New York crime has skyrocketed. I'm talking about violence. You know, they say we know what a Republican is in, a Democrat who got carjacked. <laughs> so, and I wasn't a party guy until the last 20 years, you know? Yeah. So, well, this isn't so, a party. I mean, this. I mean, the people who have led the school choice movement, as you all know, in, in municipalities around the country over the last couple of decades, the ones that have been most successful have basically been black Democrats, whether it's Polly Williams in Milwaukee or Miss Virginia in D.C. I mean, this is not a party issue. They they make it a party issue to try and undermine the the, 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 the rationale for it, the, the, the obvious support for it. It's just common sense, for goodness sakes. And so here we are when you're when we're here and the murders up 50 percent last year, just gone up again in January. Usually they're way down when it's cold because the bad guys are too afraid to come out in the cold. And that's because the cops are handcuffed. That's it. You, you could argue with me and say that's not it. It's because of COVID. it's nothing to do with COVID. And it's nothing to do with employment because the guy shooting weren't working anyway. They've been living with their mommy or their girlfriends and they haven't worked. We've hired a bunch of them in our housing program and a handful of stuck. You know, the ones that stuck usually had a faith conversion. You know, they were serious yeah. about it for a bigger reason. And now they're making 50000 a year and they own a house. So, but you, if you're going to, there's a complete fallacy that everybody wants to work if they had a good job, right? This is why this is why I love talking to you, because um, you have the, the street cred because of what you've done in Chicago Hope to just lay it out straight. And uh, just, there's just so few people anywhere that will tell the truth. Uh, yeah. That are in that are practitioners. You're a practitioner. You're telling the truth. I, I always tell people, you know, when I know Chicago will be ready to really think system change with K through 12 education as soon as they erect a statue of Bob Mazakowski on the west side. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> we'll keep looking for that. Yeah, you should have lunch with my wife. <laughs> she she would disabuse me of that notion. Help me out a little. <laughs> Bob, Bob Mazakowski, president founder of Chicago Hope Academy. Thanks for joining us, Bob. Appreciate it. Okay, Dan. Nice job. Thanks. Take care. This portion is sponsored by the American Federation for Children, the nation's largest school choice advocacy organization, helping every family choose the best K-12 education for their children. Find them on social media at School Choice Now. That's at School Choice Now. Dan Proft Show.